You're tuned in to the Nonprofit Chatter, brought to you by Nonprofit Pro with our friends at Pursuant. New T and Leah Davenport are getting real and sitting down with nonprofit leaders to chatter about issues affecting nonprofits today. Be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss these conversations with your nonprofit peers. And check us out on the web at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash nonprofit hyphen chatter. Welcome to today's discussion. My name is Leah Davenport and I serve as the Senior Marketing Coordinator at Pursuant and I work with New as the co-host of these these non-profit chatter episodes with some of Pursuant's uh, key um, clients who are doing some really exciting things in the industry. I am joined by Lena Patel And Alina serves as the Vice President of Development at the PAN Foundation, which stands for Patient Access Network Foundation. And that is a foundation um, that raises uh, funds to help people out with their medical expenses. And I'm going to invite Lena to share some more about herself uh, in here in a moment. I'm also joined by Matthew Mielkarek, our Vice President of Analytics at Pursuant, and he's worked closely with Lena on this. Um, There are different projects and campaigns they've done together, and so I know that um, he's going to have some really great uh, bits of insight to share with us today. So Lena, without further ado, would you mind introducing yourself to to our listeners? Hi there. Yeah, sure. Thanks for um, having me today. I'm happy to speak with you guys. Um, My name is Lena Patel and I'm the Vice President of Development at the PAN Foundation, as you mentioned. Um, I've been with PAN for almost five years now, uh, overseeing all of our fundraising efforts. And so it's been a wonderful cause that kind of fell into my lap and I I wasn't exactly looking for a change, but I'm I'm so grateful for the change that came. Um, My background was, you know, in in the sciences, I majored in biology, thinking that I was going to become a doctor and quickly realized that that was not in my my path or in my future. Um, And I decided to hone in on the management and policy side of the healthcare space. And so um, my background and my previous work experience is heavily situated in the health policy realm, um, in reimbursement and access issues for, for people of all kinds. Um, And then, like I mentioned, you know, the opportunity at PAN kind of just fell into my lap and I thought, why not? It was time for a change. And I've now been here for five years overseeing all of our fundraising efforts. Wonderful. So glad to have you with us today. Um, Matthew, how about yourself? Yeah, my name is Matthew Milikarik. I'm the Vice President of Analytics and Insight Strategy at Pursuant. Uh, I am based in Austin, Texas, and in my role uh, at Pursuant, and I'd also say uh, in working with PAN, is that I work with people and organizations to use data uh, and analytics and research uh, to bring insight about donors and giving um, uh, to our clients. And so uh, that's what we are going to talk about a little bit today is the approach that we followed uh, with PAN. Awesome. So let's dive right in. Lena, you shared a little bit about your role and your background, but could you expand that a little bit? What do you do at PAN? What are your goals? And um, kind of the million dollar question a lot of people are just are wondering about right now, how has COVID kind of had an impact on everything that's happening with you guys? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, like I said, I oversee all of our fundraising efforts, but what does that mean exactly? Uh, my goal is to raise as many and as much funding for patients that we serve. And so the mission of PAN has been to provide cost sharing assistance to people in need. Uh, typically these people are the elderly who have health insurance, but it's still just not enough to afford their medications or their treatment. Um, we typically say internally, you probably haven't heard of us unless you needed us, but we have been recognized by, um, by respected organizations such as like Forbes, the Chronicle Philanthropy, and many others. Um, but the easiest way to maybe explain PAN and what we do is by maybe telling a story of, of one of our recipients. Um, there was a gentleman, his name was Robert, and he was a teacher. And one day while teaching, he experienced pain on the right side of his abdomen. And um, the doctors tossed it up to a kidney stone. But a few years later, that same pain came back to him. And when he went to go see a doctor for the second time, they had unfortunately diagnosed him with cancer. Um, he was given at that time only a few years to live. And you know it, it rocked his world. It had turned his entire life upside down. Um, his cancer started to metastasize and spread and he was then put on a more expensive product um, that was out of his family's budget. And so one day he and his wife called uh, the PAN Foundation and inquired about what types of support there could be for him. And uh, after you know, confirming that he qualified for financial assistance, we were able to give him a grant and help him pay for the costs that were associated with this medicine. And now it's been over five years or six years and, you know, he's gotten his life back. He's gotten his independence back. And that's what we do every single day, day in and day out. Our goal is to provide financial relief to people who are in need. And COVID has only amplified that need. Um, obviously, it was something that was completely unexpected. No one was, you know, thinking we would walk into 2020 with a pandemic. Um, but COVID has definitely exposed the holes in the healthcare system and PAN is there to help provide that support, to lend a helping arm in making sure that um, people realize there is support and financial assistance out there should your situations differ and, and change due to COVID. Um, thank you so much for sharing all that, Lena. Um, every time I hear the story of what your organization does, my like heart gives a little flutter because it is such a needed thing um, and even more so today. Uh, and so I'd love to kind of dig into that a little bit more. So what are you seeing right now that are the biggest services that people are requesting help with? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, one of the things that we did earlier this year due to the pandemic was we started a disease fund for COVID. Now, what I'll mention is um, PAN primarily assists with out-of-pocket costs in three different areas, uh, the chronic disease space, the rare disease space, and then the oncology space. Um, we thought it was true to our mission to work quickly to be able to provide financial relief to those that were impacted by COVID. And so um, one of the things that we did was we quickly created a fund for COVID relief. Now, those that were either 
uh, diagnosed with COVID or instructed to self-quarantine due to COVID were eligible to receive uh, a grant from us. And, and this grant worked a little differently than the traditional grants that we provide uh, today. We wanted to provide uh, truly like holistic support to these people who maybe they couldn't, you know, get to their pharmacy, physically being able to drive to their pharmacy, or they weren't feeling comfortable with uh, going to the grocery store to get groceries for the week. And so this grant was really meant to alleviate those stresses and, and provide that uh, relief and support. And so within weeks, we were able to spin up uh, a COVID-19 fund where we provided a $300 grant to people who met the qualifications and criteria. And that grant has been a wonderful, wonderful addition to many people's lives. We've been able to um, uh, issue out over $1 million in assistance to patients in need. And it's been very humbling to see how many people are in need of such basics today. 75% um, of the enrollees in that fund needed help with just paying for their groceries. And so um, I think we can all agree that the pandemic has definitely, you know, brought us back down to real life, if you will, and, and, and made us appreciate what we have and, and making sure that we can give back to the community in any way possible. I love that. Um, such a needed thing right now. So I understand that um, this, if I'm not mistaken, has been your most compelling campaign to date. Um, could you share a little bit about, about more of the campaign? And then also, Matthew, I'd love to get your take on um, how sort of these recent events have had a, um, a ripple effect on the overall fundraising at PAN. Yeah, definitely. You know, we were gearing up in March to put out a, a campaign centered on advocacy and um, our mission. And once the pandemic hit, we quickly went back to the drawing table and, and decided to um, campaign for the fund that we had created because we knew we needed support. We knew that there were a lot of people that were going to be in need and the need was essentially endless. And so um, we wanted to be careful in the way that we vocalized our message. We wanted to make sure that we were respectful of people's situations. You know, some people may be in a position to donate at that time and others, you know, it was the furthest thing that they would be able to do. They were busy trying to figure out how they were going to make their day-to-day -day work. And so it was very important for us to be sensitive to that, um, but also reassure them that we're here. You know, it, was, it wasn't just a call to action to be able to um, fundraise, but also that resources and, and PAN and other similar organizations are there to be able to provide those resources to these patients in need. Um, so within like a week's time frame, we pulled together a campaign around COVID and the urgent request for support. Um, I think an important aspect of this campaign, we wanted to really make sure that you got to know us too. We were all going through the same thing at the same time. And very rarely in life, again, I think, will we all experience the same thing at the same time across the board. And so, um, you know, we, we told stories about how we were dealing with the pandemic and what it felt like to be quarantined and the struggles, but then also the blessings that may have come with having more time to be around your family. And so 
um, this this campaign and and, and this you know pursuing of, of the COVID pandemic was something that was very successful for us in terms of just activating our donor base, even if they couldn't financially contribute, they wanted to see how else they could help. Could they go pick up groceries for others? Could they go pick up a prescription for someone who, who was in need? You know, little ways to be able to help people. And, and something that we learned through this campaign was um, how ready to move and how activated our donor base was. I love that, Lena. Um, and I'd say across pursuant clients, um, we've seen really uh, a similar pattern to varying degrees, depending on how closely an organization's mission uh, aligns or has been uh, affected uh, by COVID. Um, we've seen uh, a lot of organizations uh, simply continue to communicate the impact uh, that the virus has had on their operations or on their organization. And we've seen tremendous response, especially from long-term uh, entrenched donors. And so um, that's been really vital that organizations who have um, a donor base of long-term committed donors are sticking around and saying, what can we do? How can we uh, act and how can we behave? Uh, I'd also say that um, a lot of organizations have seen quite an influx of new donors, people who've never given to their organization before. Um, and many of those are often driven uh, through news mentions or other um, awareness driving vehicles. Um, and it's been really interesting. We've seen uh, those new donors have typically a younger demographic profile than a traditional donor might. Um, most of the time they're giving online, so they're more uh, online responsive. Um, and we're seeing actually fairly um, interesting and high affluence. So, um, um, so I think it's been really interesting uh, how it has both disrupted um, philanthropy, but at the same time uh, shown uh, how supporters are standing up uh, and supporting organizations at the same time. Yeah, thank you for going into that, Matthew. It leads really well into kind of the question I wanted to um, address next, which is, so we've, we've talked about where you are today, how the pandemic has affected your fundraising and how it has um, uh, played into some of the different campaigns and relationships that you're building with your donors. But I'd like to rewind the clock a little bit and um, kind of dig into where were you prior to working with Pursuant, I know when you came to us, you had some different um, goals that you had for the organization. And um, you and Matthew worked closely to kind of put together a plan to execute on those goals. So Lena, could you kind of dive into what was the before now that we've talked a little bit about the after? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I mentioned this COVID campaign as our most you know, compelling or successful campaign to date this year, but we wouldn't have been able to do that and, and switch gears within a week or weeks and a half time frame without pursuing. Um, that's really how we found them to begin with. Uh, historically at PAN, uh, the fundraising model has been related largely to corporate partnerships and donors and you know, it's something that has worked very well. and We've been very um, lucky to be able to secure these partnerships and 
you know, over 15 or 16 years provide support to our community. Um, something that became important to us in more recent years, though, was to diversify that donor base, to, to amplify and to, uh, you know, figure out what the individual donor base would be. And that's something that we never did before. We never went out to the general public to really um, cultivate them and engage them and, and, and fundraise with them. And so we were really starting from the bottom up. I mean, the only fundraising we did on, on the individual side really was a passive donate button on our website. Um, we had pulled our, our constituents and half of them, more than half of them, didn't even know that we accepted donations. And, you know, that might be also due to the uniqueness of what our organization does and that we, we give out money. But I don't think um, many realize that we also, you know, be, need to receive it to be able to give it out. And so um, it was important for us to spread that awareness of what we do, educate the community, tell our own story of what we do and how important it was. And so that kind of led to this, this search for someone to help us because we didn't know where to start. We had no idea who our donors were. We had no idea what they would want to hear from us. How, how, how do we craft a message that, that would relate to them and, and you know, cultivate them and have them believe in our mission? And so that's kind of what led us to finding Pursuant. Those are such powerful goals, Lena. And I love your um, just transparency and sharing those because that's a daunting place to start from. So Matthew, um, given this kind of set of, uh, of challenges, how did, how did you and your team go about starting to uh, tackle some of these things? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So um, I would say, I think it was uh, a little over two years ago um, when we first connected uh, and engaged. Uh, and what I would say is that a lot of organizations uh, that are at that point start the conversation with, um, we've tried this before and failed. Um, many organizations who are looking to build a foundation of supporters or proponents um, uh, often invest in fits and starts. Um, and it can be daunting because your mission to a donor profile that simply uh, who um, your mission resonates with, uh, who is most likely to support you. And in every situation, um, nonprofits like PAN have limited resources. So, um, you know, it's not going to be a launch with a Super Bowl commercial that has, um, you know, impact um, and awareness uh, across the board with everyone. So, um, what was great about PAN was their long-term vision and commitment towards growth. And specifically, um, we talked a lot about uh, a phased path and a plan um, to building an individual giving platform, um, that it takes time and that a way um, to build that momentum is through really what we would view as an acquisition accelerator, which is a methodology that consists of research that helps us uh, bring insight about potential donors uh, to their individual giving program. And so uh, that's exactly what we did. Uh, so Lena mentioned uh, earlier that um, we polled and surveyed um, current um, uh, PAN um, um, 
members and uh, supporters uh, and folks who had received services recipients. Um, while PAN may have not had a uh, strong base of email addresses um, of donors, what they did have is really grateful folks who come through their door every day and who had for the past few years. And so um, we weren't sure what their interest or capacity would be uh, to serve, um, to give uh, or support PAN. Many of them uh, are uh, Medicare recipients. Many are over 65 years old. Um, so that was one population uh, that we had a lot of questions about. And then another was just the general giving philanthropic public. We wondered um, who would PAN's mission and messages resonate with uh, the greatest. And so what we were able to do is pull together um, small uh, segments of those populations. Uh, we reached out to them and we conducted research to ask them about themselves to educate them about PAN's mission. So pretty much as in uh, having a conversation with an individual. We even developed um, uh, stimulus creative that we could share and expose to them. And then we asked them about their likelihood to support and to give to PAN. Uh, and it was really cool. Um, some of the results, super high level, is that um, the base of those um, patients uh, who were service recipients um, was expressed incredible gratitude. Uh, and so we explored not only would uh, they serve as uh, a fundraising base for us, but could they serve as a megaphone? Would they share uh, the word? Would they lend their voice? Um, would they post socially about their experience with PAN um, to amplify our messages? Uh, and the answer was a resounding yes, uh, certainly. Uh, I would also say um, that we have since learned that many, um, and I would say just like the example that Lena shared, um, Robert, while he may have been uh, not in a place to support us when he was an active recipient, right now he's stronger uh, and he wants to give back. He wants to pay it back and he wants to pay it forward. And so um, by neglecting that audience, we were actually inhibiting um, and not really giving them an opportunity to express their gratitude. So that's been a tremendous foothold for uh, a program in its infancy, and we were able to leverage so many of those individuals. On the flip side, from um, a philanthropic uh, general public, we were able to hone in by surveying and exploring those folks uh, we were able to hone in on the profile of what a likely donor might look like. And so we were able uh, to create some demographic characteristics of what a likely supporter to PAN uh, might look like uh, in terms of who they are, um, where they live, um, what type uh, of residence they have, their relative affluence, the interests that they have as well. And then we we're able to inform acquisition targeting based on that profile. So that includes primarily uh, an early on uh, digital targeting 
um, that could be very precise um, and sort of on a limited basis. And then over time, uh, our recommendation uh, as we build some quick wins and we validate that proof of concept of that audience uh, is to go bigger at scale and to lean on and leverage um, more traditional acquisition um, like direct mail. And so uh, that has certainly been the path and what we're able to do based on these insights and knowing which messages resonate the most with this audience is we're able uh, to target those folks with more precision uh, and to slowly uh, build our experience and to slowly build uh, successes over time. Uh, and I'd say what PAN has done um, that is so textbook um, in terms of committing to the strategy over time is to then have that base of supporters um, that they can activate in times like COVID at year end uh, or otherwise um, to drive support and drive response. So it's been really cool uh, to see uh, that follow through over time. So many things that I want to dig into there, Matthew. Um, and I apologize if this is a bit of an unprepared for question, but what in your mind have been some of the biggest aha moments that you uh, and Lena, feel free to, to add some thoughts here as well. What are the, some, some of the biggest aha moments that you've experienced over the last two years of kind of doing this research and reach out to your, your service recipients? Yeah, you know, just jumping in real quickly, Matt, what Matthew mentioned about how we learned that we were inhibiting the ability of our recipients to express their gratitude was such a shock to us because um, the fear of ever diving into, you know, fundraising on the individual side to begin with was that we didn't want to go to our recipients who were coming to us for funding, who were already, um, you know, not in a position to be able to afford certain expenses and, and then asking them to then turn around and contribute to us. We were very sensitive to the fact that we did not want to come across as um, pushy or ungrateful. And so it was shocking, I guess, almost to see the results that came out through the market opportunity analysis and that by doing that, by not asking them, we were inhibiting them and, and they were ready to, to lend um, a voice or a, a lending arm to, to helping us. And so that was definitely like an aha moment for me. And I, it definitely, um, I think, reassured myself as well as, you know, leadership here at PAN that what we were on to and what we were thinking about was on the right track. Yeah, I, I love that, Lena. Um, and uh, I've got one, and I'm interested if, if you agree with me, um, but the change that I've seen over the past couple of years in terms of the intimacy that PAN has with its members through this program um, really strikes me. And what I mean by that is seeing uh, the level of engagement, for instance, on social media mm -hmm. and connecting more uh, to individual stories, individual pictures, individual impact um, really has brought um, your organization to life for me. Uh, in the sense of um, quite simply the faces of the people that you exist to serve. 
um, it felt, uh, I felt, uh, you know, I, I don't know that um, you have sort of a physical manifestation, a storefront, if you will, where you are able to have that direct connection or touch point, but it feels like as you've worked to build your individual giving program uh, and the platform to do so, that it has really given uh, your service recipients um, more of a voice. Um, and I feel like they've really relished it. And I would cite uh, your video that um, you guys most recently published um, that talks about the individual impact um, that PAN has had on folks. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I think it's just been really touching. I, I would wholeheartedly agree. Um, when thinking about the most compelling campaign, it's easy to kind of get everything wrapped into COVID. Um, but of equally as compelling campaign that we had this year is the campaign that you mentioned, Matthew, where, um, you know, we, we just set out to see what is it about PAN that has served you well and, and learning from our base, our members and, and leaning into that, you know, that they want to be able to give back and support and, um, lend their voice, like you mentioned. And so that campaign was, um, overwhelmingly successful. We, we put out an ask just saying, you know, um, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know why PAN matters to you. And we were asking for them to participate, to send a photo of themselves and let us know what about PAN um, has impacted them and why it matters. And, and to our shock, we received over 500 responses. Oh my gosh. Um, wow which made it like very difficult to, you know, create a video highlighting every single person. But we were so grateful that, you know, everyone took the time to submit a photo or a message and let us know, you know, the impact that PAN has had on their lives. And so yeah. it's definitely what drives me in my day to day. I know it drives the rest of my colleagues in their day to day. It's getting one of those messages is just enough to push you for months, but getting 500 at within days is enough to fill you up for, for yeah. a lifetime. So. Wow. I'm just sitting here with a smile on my face. Thank you so much for sharing some of that encouraging, um, some of those encouraging stories with us, Lena. Um, and kind of on that note, like what are you looking forward to in the future? Um, what's, what's on the horizon for PAN and what, what are you excited about? Yeah, um, we have a lot going on and, and it's because we're listening to to our members where we're and our service recipients. We want to be able to provide um, different means of support that they need. And, and we're definitely taking that into consideration for our plans for the remainder of this year, as well as next year. Um, I'm very interested as it relates to, you know, especially the work that we're doing with Pursuant is continuing to you know, learn about our donors. We, we've now built a, a profile, if you will, of that donor, um, which we didn't have before. And, and we now have been working with Pursuant for two years and going into our third, I wanna be able to continue building that donor profile and continuing to um, understand who they are, what it is that, you know, they're interested in, in learning from us and then figuring out, you know, especially like, bringing COVID into it, I guess, analyzing those COVID donors. We did receive a number of new donors to PAN in the last year and largely due to the COVID campaign. So understanding, um, 
you know, who they are, what they want to see, and if they'll end up becoming long-term donors to PAN, or, or was it more, um, you know, uh, focused on, on the emergency and urgency of, of the specific time? Matthew, any closing thoughts to wrap us up with today? No, um, you know, what I would just say is from uh, the data and analytics side, uh, while it has been such a journey um, to start out, uh, I'm so excited about learning more um, and distinguishing uh, those who are giving via COVID versus those who've been on your file longer um, to continuing to uh, expand and develop um, our body of knowledge about who your donors are um, and uh, over time to, to use those insights to build a thriving program. So, um, so uh, that's it. I was just going to say, I think healthcare, um, the healthcare space is in uh, a very interesting position, particularly this year and, and, and the events and what's to come. And so, um, you know, PAN will definitely have a, a, a hand in making sure that we're there to serve and then being able to, to build on, on that as well. Yeah, Alina, I was just going to kind of add my own sort of thoughts on top of what you and Matthew have just shared, because it's something that I've really been thinking about a lot lately when it comes to nonprofit and philanthropy and fundraising is that um, despite all of the enormous challenges that this pandemic has placed on organizations and businesses and so many things, um, it's an amazing time to be able to also collect all of the information and observations about how people act under unique circumstances like these, especially, you know, such unforeseen ones. And so if there's a, you know, a silver lining that I see coming out of this thing is that we will emerge so much smarter, especially if we've used this time wisely about what motivates our donors and what makes them truly loyal to our cause and what is the, um, you know, maybe getting a little bit closer to the answer of what it is that really motivates people to be generous in more ways than one. I think that's, that's perfectly summarized. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. We're going to be smarter and I think we're going to be stronger too. This has definitely been a tough time for, for everyone. And so um, I, I think we're going to come out of this on, on the better side of the situation. For sure. Well, Lena, Matthew, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, and just as a quick closing question, if any of our listeners today would like to get in touch with either one of you, what is the best way for them to do that? Uh, yeah, if you're interested in learning more about the PAN Foundation, um, what we do, who we serve, or supporting our mission, um, feel free to check out our website at panfoundation.org. Um, we're also found on all social media outlets as well. Awesome. And you can find me on LinkedIn. It's Matthew, and my last name is Mill Carrick, M-I-E-L-C-A-R-E-K. Well, once again, thank you so much, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and uh, I look forward to sharing this conversation with our listeners. Have a great day. Thank you.